three. Welcome to Elmo's World Podcast. This is Elmo Ador Jr. I have my friend Ibn Ali. Bro, can you uh, tell us something about yourself? Hey, Elmo. It's good to be here. Um, so I'm I'm a Muslim. Uh, I don't really uh, uh, come on interviews much at all. Usually, very shy person. So uh, this is a new one for me. But I, uh, so I, um, I work in IT. I just work with uh, computers. Um, I, uh, I grew up um, like with a very argumentative family, especially my older brother. So um, that was kind of how I got into like discussions and all that. And, and even as a young kid. I would pick apart arguments that I found, whether or not it was it was a friend that made it or, or like an opponent or something. I I would just pick apart the arguments and just look for the truth. So like that's always been my um, my primary motivation for for like engaging in these discussions. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I think we met each other about two months ago or so, something like that, right? Yeah, we did. And it's uh, so far, it's been awesome talking to you, man. And um, we have a lot of disagreements, but you know, you're the kind of person that, uh, no matter how crazy my worldview was before, <laughs> you still um, had like the patience with to uh, level with me. And you're an awesome person for that. Yeah, are you talking about uh, back when you were a monist? <laughs> well, I, I was um. Yeah. Dwelling on it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's uh, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, just like becoming a modest, becoming whatever. Just to, uh, or I mean, like if if that's the best way for you to understand like what it means to be a monist, and go ahead, you know. But I mean, like if you're just looking for the truth, that's all that matters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Um. When you t- say you're a Muslim, uh, what specific maybe uh, fit or uh, madha uh, do you uh, subscribe to? Yeah, so I grew up uh, primarily with the Shafi madhab, I believe, uh, in and um, so. It's it's I think it's much more strict than the other madhab. So so the four, I believe, is uh, you could be a Hanafi, a Shafi, which is what I am, or like what I was, uh, Maliki or a Hanbali. And I think the strictest of them is is the one that I was in. But it's not it's not like um, a different like denomination or anything like that. So just a little bit about it. Um, it's kind of like rules and regulations on on like what is a sin and what. And it's like small stuff. So, so for example, um, I believe like for a Maliki, for example, it wouldn't be a sin to 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 like eat like dog meat, like a, like a dog. You know, it, I'm not saying that that's something that I. Hey, yeah. So um, I guess I'll just talk a little bit about fic real quick. Um, so there's so I'm I'm. A, I grew up as a Shafi. The other three are um, you could be Maliki, Hanbili, or Hanafi. It, it ultimately doesn't really matter. It's kind of like 
it's not like a different denomination of Islam or anything like that. It's kind of like uh, different rules. So like we might differ on what's um, a sin and what isn't, but it's not something that that will like take you out of Islam. So so for example, other Shafi, I wouldn't say that Hanafi, um, who practices whatever he practices, is um, is sinful. So yeah. So like I'm ultimately it doesn't really I'm like these distinctions are significant, but it's not like uh, that significant that it would make you that like we'd call someone else like a heretic or anything like that. So yeah. Okay. And but my my uh, the usual question that I ask to my guest is that um, for to you what is being a Muslim or what is your relationship to Allah? What is its impact in your life? Uh, maybe compare it to how you were before and now that you are. Okay, I mean I've kind of always been a Muslim. But I, I guess you try. I mean, I, even even Muslims, they have periods where their their iman is weaker. So, so for example, like growing up as a kid, it, like I didn't take it as seriously as I do now, right? So, I, so I guess I could, I could talk from that perspective. But for the question, what does it mean for me to be a Muslim? A Muslim is someone who ultimately he uh, he yields his will to God. So it's 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 uh, primarily. Um, a way of life that's completely focused on God, and on the God, like the one and only God. So, um, it's it's very important to establish. Uh, so so like your prayer, and there are two different uh, types of prayers in Islam. There is like the the like the supplicative prayer, which is kind of like what Christians do. So it's it's when you ask God for something. So oh God, please take care of my family or or like my mother, or help me out on this exam, or something like that. And then there's a salah, which is, um, it's when you stand and and you recite the revelation of God, you know, the Qur'an. So uh, there are different ways to connect with God. Um, so I think the primary purpose of Islam, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he said that, that uh, he... That, that like the reason why he was sent was to perfect a good character. So it's something that's very, very important. So that's, um, uh, that's one big part of Islam is having good character or rather perfecting good character. So he didn't say he, uh, he came to, to, uh, like to show you what good character means. You know, generally speaking, people know what good character means. Like you don't have to be a Muslim to understand that, you know, like you could recognize uh, someone who has a good character, and the Prophet came to perfect that. So um, that's that's uh, one of the reasons why he came. And the other is to establish a, a pure um, a pure relationship with God. So God alone, not with um, a saint, or not through a man, or not through anybody. It's it's you and God alone. So it's it's like you establish a direct connection with God. Um, so that's um, another uh, huge part of what that means. And in part of that, so like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, God in the Qur'an, he says that like the, the purpose of, of our creation is to worship him. 
So that is the that is the purpose of why he created us. He created us ultimately to worship him. And the concept of worship in Islam is not necessarily of bowing down with your face to the floor um, and worshiping God with for prostration and like that. That's not necessarily that's one type of worship. But it's it's more like of a wholesome type of worship of God. So um, how that manifests in reality is in everything that you do. So another one of the uh, most well-known uh, narrations of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is that actions are with intentions. So what does that mean? He's saying that that like there is no action except that that like, there's an intention behind it. So the, the way that we would worship God is through our actions, and not necessarily, like I said, not necessarily prostration with your face to the floor. It's it's through all your of your actions. So, for example, a mother that that like that's breastfeeding her child, right? That would be an act of worship if her intention is to um, um, is to please God. You know, so like if her intention in her soul is I, I'm going to take care of this child because this is a creation of God and he gave me responsibility of this child, you know, like that would be an act of worship. If I um, if I give charity, like if I give charity to a poor person because I wanted to please the people, that would not be worship. That'd be a sin. You see what I mean? So even a good act, like even an action which appears good on the face of it could be a sin. Because it it depends on your on your intentions, like the narration said, actions are with intentions. So I can give charity, and if it's to please the people, it's sinful. If it's to please Allah, if it's to please God alone, then it's it's a good deed. You see, so that's uh, that's um, that's the way that worship works in Islam. Like you have to you have to act with the good intention and like the sincere intention to please God ultimately, and. And that's how you, so it's, um, when you ask like what Islam means, it's just constant. In Arabic, we, uh, we have a word for it called taqwa, which essentially means God consciousness. So it's, so it's being aware of God constantly is what I mean. It's like you're constantly conscious of God. You're aware of God. You're, you're always in everything that you do, you remember God. That's the most important thing. When, um, a man came to the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, and he asked them. He asked them about what does it mean to be perfect as a Muslim. He said, like, to be like, to be perfect is to worship God as if you can see Him, which means like to act always with the pure intention to please God. Like to worship God as if you can see Him, and if you can't do that. He said, then at least know that God sees you. So that's um, so the goal for every Muslim is to is to purify their intentions all the time and always be conscious of God. Always be aware in everything that you do. If you engage into an argument with somebody, which we see all the time, um, you know, people always arguing, like they get upset. Then they start like using swear words and insulting them and talking about their mothers and stuff. It's 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 like it's like um, it's disgusting, right? Ideally, if someone always on the top of their mind, and and like everything that they do is God, 
if God is always on their mind, if they're always conscious of God, the idea is like they ought to like remember uh, like not to act like animals. You see what I mean? So that that's Islam in a nutshell is um, is about purifying your intention, which um, is um, is is about purifying your intention so that you could worship uh, the one true God mm. and and having like perfect manners and all that. I guess then um, it, what what the question is, what would be the intention that is acceptable acceptable to Allah Himself? You know, because uh, God is so perfect and so good and so sacred, and He could only accept that which is worthy of Him. So, in, in terms of like how good your intention can be, what what uh, sort of uh, measure measured uh, should or criteria should your intentions have? Yeah. So I. Uh, that's a very good question. So, for example, um, a problem that like I often deal with myself is, let's say I'm at I'm at like the mosque or call it the masjid, right? And um, and I want to give charity, and then like when I want to give charity, I'm kind of concerned, right? Because I'm worried. Look, like am I giving this charity because I'm a hypocrite and I just want people to think, hey, look, like, look, this guy, Ibn Ali, is a great guy. You know, like, is that why I'm giving charity or, or am I giving charity to please God? So it is something that we struggle with every day. And, and that's the idea. Like, the idea is, like, you never should feel that, like, this is it. I'm saved. You know what I mean? It's always a struggle because you could always fall. You see what I mean? So the idea is to, um, but... Like, like this struggle, which in Arabic um, is, is referred to as jihad. Like this struggle with your own nafs, like your own, like your own self, and and like your, um, and like your conscience. Let's say that struggle is is always there, you know, in everything that you do, and it's supposed to be. That's the point. So, because the worst thing that you can do is is believe that like you're such a righteous person because of the actions that you do. You know what I mean? If you believe that, then you're already lost. You know, like that's not the idea. So, for example, um, the the companions of the Prophet peace be upon him would constantly be concerned. They'd constantly be worried that um, they were hypocrites, right? And and the idea is that like they were um, they were constantly afraid that like. Um, am I truly doing this for God alone, or am I doing this to please the people? And um, and the idea is that is that like you're supposed to constantly uh, be aware of this fall, that like so so uh, you could protect yourself um, against it, you know. And that's so I think I hope that answered the question, but it's not that like um, so it's kind of like a humility kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like if you think of yourself as, as the greatest and like you can't do any wrong, then that's just arrogance. You know, even if you, um, even if you think you can justify it at the end of the day, like it's, it's still just arrogance. You know what I mean? So all you can do is, is do your best and um, ask God for forgiveness and ask him to um, like a prayer 
that like we usually ask of God, a supplication that we ask of God, is to ask him to accept our actions because he, he may not accept an action. Like for example, he may not accept the charity I give if I gave it to please the people and not him. You see what I mean? So um, a supplication that we often ask is to ask him to, to purify our attentions and, and to um, accept our deeds. Mm -hmm. So in a way that you, there's actually no measurement or, or well, there is a criteria of what is wrong or, or, or right or right intention, but I guess that in the level of how good yeah. your intention should be, it's just that you have you have to have this humility that whatever intention you might have it's only by the mercy of god that he is accepting your mm -hmm. good intention is that right yeah yeah that's true and all you can do is worry about your sincerity so it's not like i don't think the idea was to i mean like how do you measure something like your intention you know what i mean it's something that only you're aware of you know like like I can't look into your soul and see what your intentions are. I'm sure God, God can, obviously, but for example, I, I mean, like I can't like know what your intentions are. Only you can know that. And sometimes, like it, um, like you have to clarify what your intentions are. You know, sometimes like you have to just think about it. Like, okay, am I doing this to please God, or am I just doing this to to get famous or to please the people? You know what I mean? Um, so like there isn't really a measurement it's more like you have to be true to yourself you have to be completely sincere so like the only sort of measurement you have uh, to know whether or not you're being sincere or not is it's kind of i mean that's intuitive right like you know when you're sincere and you know when you're not you know what i mean um so that's it's not really something you could objectively measure like that because it's it's something intuitive but I guess then sub subjectively, for example, I could say that, oh, my, my intention here was uh, uh, pure, but it was a little blemish but I, because I felt like I had some sort of pride in being a good person, you know. And, and, yeah. But I guess that it's really up to God how he would look at uh, your intentions, your sincerity in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And even something like that could actually be enough. Like if, if you like detected the blemish and you ask God for forgiveness and ask him um, and, and he repented, that's, um, that would be enough as well. Or, or like ideally anyway, because the idea is just to be sincere. That's, that's the most important thing, you know? So uh, someone who's the opposite of sincere is insincere. And usually it's because of arrogance and arrogance is, I want to say like one of the worst sins in Islam. Yeah, and my question would be that because you, as you say you're a Muslim and and now that you're a Muslim you're really really careful of your intentions and you and and uh, you humble yourself before the mercy of God. But my question would be um, why Islam in the first place? Maybe you were born in it, maybe uh, you you converted, but the question be what is with Islam that is not in any other beliefs? Then why do you think it's the right one? Sure. Uh, thank you for the question first. So that's a really good question. So at first, obviously, I was born into it. So it's, it's what I know. Um, after a period of doubt, so it was first, um, I, had to, I first doubted like whether or not, I had doubts as to whether or not like, God existed. 
Um, I knew in my heart that he did, but it was more like, okay, I, like that's that's not enough, you know. Unless there's like a satisfactory intellectual reason, then who cares what my heart thinks? You know what I mean? Like there has to be a good reason for the belief in God. So then, upon investigating um, and researching different arguments over the years, it just it just clicked with me uh, finally the you could say like the Kalam cosmological argument or um, like in its original form, um, and we can go into that, but honestly, I'd rather not. Um, so like in its original form from like uh, El Ghazali, for example. So um, a little bit of a difference of how it's usually understood today. When uh, Ghazali was referring to the universe, he was referring to all like physical or, or like um, all material uh, realities, let's say. So uh, that's important to to distinguish because if your definition for the universe um, is distinct from that, it could lead to, um, I understand why people would find it absurd, but it's actually one of the strongest arguments. Um, but yeah, so I came to the conclusion that God exists. And so I guess you can say I was a deist. And people usually ask, well, from there, how do you go from deism to theism? And I'm just like, well, like, if I already proved, or I believe I proved God existed, or he exists, I'm just going to take theism on faith. It's, it's not, I mean, like, do I really think that he, he just left us here without any guidance? Uh, personally, no. Do I have proof of that? No, I don't. But I mean, if there have been claims that like people have had revelation historically. So let's look at those claims. Um, so first, in order to narrow it down, I immediately had to, uh, um, I reduced a lot of the, um, I didn't have to look through all like the thousands of religions because the way that the cosmological argument works is it leaves room for very little else than um, you can say like the big three, like Judaism, Islam, Christianity, right? And like they all have like the same uh, narrative pretty much, but it leaves room for little else. So like uh, there'd be no reason to believe in like Zeus, for example, um, and that whole like mythology. I like mythology <clears throat> because it would be inconsistent with the the like the natural conclusion that I that 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 like one can come to about who God is just from uh, like reason alone. So upon upon doing that, it was a choice between Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and from that it just it just seems pretty clear it's Islam. It's, it's just, I mean, like, I can't be a Jew. I'm, I'm not Jewish. You know, I guess I can convert, but that's, I mean, like, they probably won't even accept me as a Jew. You know, um, Christianity didn't seem sensible to me. Uh, just from, from, like, a narrative perspective. And it's just, like, the Islam worldview, it just explained everything so well. You know, like, it, like um, uh, people always ask, you know, so, so, like, what happened for all the people before, like, are you, are you going to tell me that, like, God, he just sent Prophet Muhammad to our time, and, like, there's no other prophets in the world, like, that's it, like, like, only these people got, like, the, the correct religion, everybody else is wrong, you know, like, that's a question a lot of people ask all the time, so, like, there has to be a constant narrative, like, there has to be a narrative there that, like, there was a history of prophets, a history of people who received revelation, if there isn't, then, 
this is just kind of like my own like subjective criteria. If there isn't, it wouldn't like it wouldn't really make sense, you know? Like why would God uh, um, why would God only give um, X people a messenger and not anybody else historically? You know what I mean? Uh, then all the humans that have ever listed like for for hundreds of thousands of years, all those humans would have just been screwed. You know, like, I mean, like, never received revelation or anything like that. Uh, like, never received guidance. So, and the uh, the model for a son is kind of like the biblical model, but it's more, it's more, um, it's more like refined, you could say. So, um, in the Quran, it says that there wasn't a nation except that God, uh, he sent them a warner. So, the warner being like a, like a messenger of God, a prophet that, that, that had a message for the people that was a warning. And it's the, um, so it's the warning of, um, of the, of like the day of judgment that like, you're going to be tried and uh, you're going to be tried for, for everything that you do here. Now in Islam, it says that like there wasn't a nation except that they received a warner. Right. So that would include, um, uh, nations in the past as well. And so um, it's just like the Islamic narrative just fits so well. And even, even with the idea of, of Jesus, peace be upon him. So in Islam, he's, he's, he's the Messiah. And we believe in the second coming. We believe he's going to descend again. Um, we believe that he was born of a virgin, Maryam, um, uh, peace be upon her. We believe in all of that. The only thing that... Uh, um, uh, we distinguish from Christian spirit. Well, I'm not going to say the only thing, but like the biggest uh, uh, place where there's a fork in the road is that they say he's the son of God and he's God and that, um, that he died for our sins. In Islam, we believe that God, uh, he saved them from being crucified because like that would have been um, a curse. So uh, God saved them from being crucified. He was actually a righteous prophet of God. Um, and he's the Messiah who's going to come back again, because every person uh, needs to die. Every every soul, um, um, every mortal soul dies, and Jesus is a mortal soul in our understanding. And he never died. Like we don't believe he's died yet. We believe that God uh, raised him up. So he has to come again, like uh, just as a part of um, a fool that like, like that God said. He necessarily has to come again because he never died, and every human needs to die. Every human needs to experience death. <clears throat> Sorry, that was a little rant. Okay, so but um, what it's a huge jump, I guess, from deism to theism, and specifically, you you describe characteristics of Islam, and yeah, for me that. That 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 wasn't really enough, I guess, uh, because in in a way, like um, in in my point of view, because it, so the I don't think that someone should uh, become a or convert to a religion or subscribe to a religion because of the rationality that of how it appears, because in that sense, you know, uh, uh, we all we. Christians, uh, everybody, atheists, we all have debates of who has the more rational uh, uh, belief system, you know, and 
uh, in that case that it would really be subjective because um, you could argue that the Christianity has a lot of problems and the Christian would argue that Islam has a lot of problems but for me uh, in my my personal uh, perspective on it is that I would subscribe to a religion if it actually ha- uh, is self-evident or what its claims are are self-evident in the spiritual uh, part of me that understands it you know because uh, for example if i were to let, let's say be a be a christian and uh, christianity promises the this experience of having a personal relationship with jesus christ and um having been for uh, repenting of your sins uh, being forgiven and and having a, a sort of undeniable uh working of the holy spirit in your heart that kind of stuff and if, if if to me if that that no matter how hard i try i don't feel it feel that way it to me it would i would say that uh, christianity is just all bogus and all talk you know but in but i guess that i'm arguing for a sort of intuitionism form of epistemology and a lot of people would argue that that is re- very unreliable because you would have to test it but i guess the the question is how do we test like intuition because for example if i if i if you ask me like and i, I had like uh asked for christ's forgiveness and for him to uh for, to come into my heart and for me to accept him as my Lord and Savior, you know, I wouldn't be able to actually n- test that undeniable truth for me because in 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 how I understand in in how my consciousness uh, perceives it, it it might all be an illusion from a third party perspective, but to me it's real and and we can't really test that, and so the question. Uh, would be is that in, in how does Islam um, uh, uh, allude to to not just your rationality but also to your soul or your heart or not maybe not 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 just the emotions but the the part of you where where religion actually matters where what you believe actually uh, has the the has great value because we you know the, the body or the mind it it doesn't really uh, uh let's say it's not the it's not the best thing to actually uh, decipher wh- what is spiritual truth you know but that's just my case yeah so uh did you want me to answer the question about uh, intuition, like how how do you test that? Yeah, my my question be um, in, in a spiritual sense, how does uh, Islam um, becomes the, the number one uh, proponent of truth for you? Okay, so yeah, I mean, it just real quick in Islam, as I was saying before. It's all about purifying your intention, and every act that you do um, ought to be to please God. You know, it's it's all about your relationship with God. You know, I, I don't think there's any other religion that's that's like that. In, in in I mean, that's that like it just puts it so clearly 
that like your actions need to be in line with your pure intention to to please God alone. Now I know that like another religion might claim this, for example, but um, it's also um, it also satisfies like the spiritual, I mean like the intellectual side for me because like the concept of God is is pure. You know, there's no um, there's no like uh, additional ideas that seem contradictory or anything like that. It's just um, really simple, just one God. You know, it's, some, it's something you could explain to a child that, like, they'd understand. You know what I mean? Uh, just really simple. Um, and so I think, I mean, I, at least I hope that answers the question. That's, uh, I just think it's uh, the, um, our relationship that, like, we establish with God is pure the way that we do that is uh, just uh, very clear, very simple, just purifying your intentions and, and doing the right actions. And the concept of God and Islam is also intellectually satisfying. But, but to me, um, it's not that I would say that the concept of God and Islam differs, but uh, to an Ashari, they would describe God differently than how let's say someone who is an Ahanbali or or other views uh, those other, those yeah. who have other I mean like Ashari, Athari, uh, Maturidi is what yeah. you mean yeah. so, so Ashari, Athari, yeah. Maturidi yeah. yeah so so, so um, sorry so your question is that they uh, even in Islam they have the uh, variations of how they would conceive God in their mind. So it's not really that simple, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, the, that's a very good question. I guess, so, the, uh, those discussions are actually largely irrelevant because, I mean, if you, were, if you were to ask, if you were to go during the time of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and you were to, to, to ask the people around him, so, so after, after he had died, um, and you were to ask them, are you uh, Ashari or, or Maturidi or Ethari? I'd be like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> All this stuff is, it's, it's important, but it's, um, it was something that was uh, established in order to deal with like uh, philosophers and, and Christians and all that, actually. So, uh, for example, in order to deal with Christians, the questions were asked about, so, um, in the Quran, for example, it might make a reference to Allah uh, using hands for something, right? Or in the Hadith, it might say that like God created Adam with his own two hands, right? So the way that um, you can take this is a few different ways. You can say, hey, look, the, the, the hands that are used are um, a description or like, are like, they can be taken as a metaphor of like Allah's power. So like it represents Allah's power. He doesn't actually have a physical hand, right? Because that'd be, um, in our understanding, that'd be making him uh, like a contingent being. In so, whereas others would say, for, for example, the ethics might say, no, no, we affirm that God has hands, but his hands are not like we um, understand. So it's, it's completely different than our understanding of hands, but we have to affirm he has hands because he says he has hands. So, so it's all, as long as your intentions are pure, like that stuff doesn't really matter. 
it's not going to it's not going to take you into into hellfire or something like that because your intentions are pure. For example, the Ethelies would say, look, like God, He says He has hands in the Quran, or or not that He has it, like He uses the language which um, makes us think He has hands, right? So then they would say that like in their fear of of this obeying God and saying about God other than what he told them uh, they would say look like we have to affirm it like, we have to affirm God has hands whereas an Eshari might say no no it's clear that this is something that's uh, a metaphor so it'd be ridiculous to say this because it would be uh, contradictory and so like something uh, uh, these discussions I mean ultimately like God is still one you know he's one he's independent He's uh, ase, as the Christians would say, so he's completely self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything else to exist, right? All that stuff doesn't change. What changes is the understanding of things like that. Now, um, and it's something important because in their engagement with Christians, you know, uh, they would talk like, for example, uh, Jesus, uh, peace be upon him, in the Christian understanding is God incarnate, you know, so... Um, in order to know clearly that this is something that is wrong, it's something contradictory, they have to establish just from their own, um, like, like in their own beliefs as well. So, for example, it would be inconsistent for, for a Muslim to say that God has like physical hands and a physical body and all this. It would be inconsistent to say as a Muslim that like God has this stuff and that he couldn't uh, take the form of a man as well. You see what I'm saying? Like that'd be inconsistent. So uh, this, this is something that uh, was actually established through communication of Christians. Um, and it actually goes a step deeper because I mean, as far as, I don't know if Christians actually um, like refer to God the Father this way and ask whether God has a physical body or if he has hands or anything like that. Like, do you know if, if Christians have engaged in that sort of discussion for God the Father? Oh, they have? Oh, okay. I didn't know. Interesting. Maybe we can talk about that later. But, but yeah, so um, these are, so like that sort of stuff, I mean, ultimately it doesn't really matter though because like nothing else changes. Like God is still one. Uh, he's still not like his creation. Um, he's, he's completely self-sufficient. Um, he has power over all things, all that stuff, knowledge over all things, all that stuff doesn't change. So um, it doesn't really, it doesn't really hurt to say, I mean, like when you're thinking of worshiping God, you know, like you're not supposed to have an image in your head anyway. You know what I mean? Like you're supposed to just be worshiping the one that created all of this, you see. So having like, um, if someone believes that God has hands that are not like ours, or if someone believes, no, no, that was a metaphor. Like, does it really change that you're worshiping God? In your in your opinion? Yes, it does actually. You know, and um, when you because you, as you said earlier, for example, does uh, do I believe in a God that has ha actual physical hands, or it's just something that I cannot I can never say because of the ambiguousness of the text uh, uh, the the text or maybe that it yeah. was just metaphorical or whatsoever so to me that would be uh that would be important 
because for the, let's say that um, if God did have physical hands then uh, I would be comparing him to something and that would be contradictory mm -hmm. and inconsistent because you cannot compare God to anything so I guess that um, yeah uh, to be honest like I, I, I'm not uh, trying to uh, be like uh, ch challenging or, or anything but I would say no that, no no it's yeah, okay that's fine that, to me, like Islam has its own uh, theological uh, uh, problems, with it and as an in-house uh, arguments, you know. And to me, like uh, it's actually a big thing for a lot of Muslims, you know, it, it, whether God, they believe that God has actual physical hands or that it's just uh, anthropomorphisms, you know, or that we can never actually say. I think it's really big for for a lot of Muslims. Yep, I think you might be right. I think it's, um, I, I personally don't think it makes a difference though. There's actually a story that, um, maybe if you have time I can tell you. Uh, I really actually like this story. It's, it's a, like, it was a narration from, from the hadith. I'll try and get you like, the reference later, but I'll tell you what I remember of the story. So, so there's this man who, um, uh, who committed a lot of sins in his life and he was coming um, uh, he was close to death and he was afraid so he told his family look like I'm I'm terrified because I did all these sins and God's gonna punish me so he said look like when I die please like torch my body um, uh, cremate me so basically turn his body into ashes and then he says look I want you to scatter all my ashes across the earth, all over the place. And so that way God won't be able to resurrect me. So then, um, like the narration of the hadith, it tells us after this man died, um, it's telling us from, from the time, like in, in the future what's going to happen. It's telling us in, uh, so like on the day of judgment, like when God resurrected everybody, and uh, he, brings, uh, he brings this man to, into account, and he asks him, why did <clears throat> he asks him why did you uh, why did you do this why did you tell your family to to cremate your corpse and to scatter all over the earth and then the man like he sincerely said look like i i was afraid i was afraid that like you were going to punish me for for all the sins i was afraid that that um i won't be able to like to gain your forgiveness because of all the sins that i did and so, like, in my fear, I told him to do this because I didn't think you'd be able to, to resurrect me. So, and then Allah said, and then God said, but because of this, I forgive you for your sins, and he admitted him into paradise. So he let, he let the man, um, he forgave the man for his sins because of his sincerity. So I want, I want to explain, like, the Islamic perspective and why these differences don't really matter, Elmo, Okay. So the reason why these differences don't really matter is look at the example of this man. Uh, this man is somebody who actually believed uh, something heretical. He believed God couldn't resurrect him. He believed if he cremated his corpse and he scattered the ashes all over the place that God is not powerful or knowledgeable enough to resurrect this person. Is this a heresy? He'd say yes, right? It's heretical to, to believe something like that, at least as far as I know. Like in Islam, it definitely is. In Christianity, I, I presume it is as well. Right? So this man 
who believed in something heretical from the Islamic perspective because his heresy was due to some, um, sincere, um, it was because it was, it was truly sincere in his heart, right? Like, uh, he did this, uh, he told them, he told his family to do something heretical because he was, uh, he was afraid of his, of his sin. He was afraid of, of having to face God and answer for his sins. He was um, and that was something that was truly sincere. Because of his sincerity, even though his belief of, about God was heretical, he still entered paradise. So that's evidence, at least, that all these discussions about God having hands or not hands, or it's metaphor or not metaphor, all these discussions is irrelevant. It's irrelevant to you being saved. And isn't that the only thing that actually matters at the end of the day? You know? It's irrelevant, and and so the uh, the story I gave you is evidence of that because this man who had a belief that was completely heretical about God, he was still able to enter paradise. What do wow. you think? True. Okay. Yeah, but and then I, I guess that to a Muslim, the concept of God wouldn't matter. I guess, or, or maybe that because well, no, well, no, it's, no, it, yeah, it does. It, it does, does matter, but the the, the differences they have of of how it is presented in the Quran doesn't ultimately doesn't matter right that's what you're saying the yeah, like the details of that, such yeah the details so, so yeah. And, yeah. and what i want, wanted to uh, to say was that i guess you're right but for example for me from a third party perspective and i i would I, if i wasn't able to understand that i would see the muslims having different concepts of god themselves but uh, as you say it, it's uh, doesn't actually matter then then okay uh, so, so but so in a way your criteria for for what specific religion you are subscribing to is is how rational or in uh, or how the, much uh, it's their concept of God satisfies you intellectually is that uh, mm -hmm. okay so that's part of it um, but that's definitely part of it the other part is um, is like the relationship and 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 the how to establish that relationship is just pure it's it, it really simple it's just purifying your intentions and, and worshiping God, and you worship through all of your actions. So it's not just the, the prostrating and like your face to the floor, although like that is um, necessary uh, for worship. It's not just that. Everything is worship. Like me going to, to the market in order to buy food for my family because I want to please God, that's worship. Me going to school so I can study um, and learn more about the world so I can help out humanity with my knowledge, that's an act of worship if, if I do that like, with the right intention. Me um, coming on here, Elmo, and talking to you about Islam with the right intention uh, would also be an act of worship. You see what I mean? So it's, it's just everything is about your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything is about your relationship with God, like the Most High. So that and the intellectual aspect as well. So when I said that the differences in uh, whether it's uh, metaphorical or not metaphorical doesn't matter, I meant that in reference to, um, I meant that in reference to being saved. It's not gonna matter for you to be saved. It's not gonna matter for your relationship with God. It matters when you're discussing with 
um, like skeptics, for example, you know, because then if you if you make an argument for God that he's transcended from the physical world, and yet you say he has a physical hand, that'd be inconsistent. So in a sense, it does matter because you have to be consistent, right? At least you ought to be if you want to be some, if you want to have a coherent belief. Um, so it is important. It's not important to be saved. It's important to be consistent with um, like your discussions with skeptics. So it is still important, but just not, I mean, like as a Muslim, like to, to basically go to a Muslim, for example, if I were to go to a Muslim, let's say like this particular person, he doesn't care about debating, you know, like he's just in his own world, just doing his own thing. He just wants to worship God. It'd be stupid for me to tell him, hey, uh, that like that verse in the Quran is, is metaphorical. Don't take it literally. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter if he takes it literally or not. You know what I mean? If he believes that like God has physical hands, like like it doesn't really matter. It would only matter if he's if he inquires further, but it doesn't need to. You know, all he cares about is is his relationship with God. You see what I mean? Like why would I have to explain that to him? Like he'd probably be annoyed. He'd be like, dude, I don't care. Like you're telling me something that that like it doesn't really matter to me. You see what I mean? Okay, so. Other than the the concept of God and um, I guess that in the Shahada, right, uh, there are two other essential things, which is that you, your belief in that Muhammad is the the prophet, and that the Quran is God's uh, divine revelation or final revelation, right? And so, yeah. how would you uh, say that? Um, those uh, two essential things are are actually what they claim to be. Yeah, so the first one is La ilaha illallah, which says there is no God except uh, Allah, which is, it's kind of like, it could be translated as like the God or like the one and only or true God. So La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. Uh, Muhammad is the is the messenger of God. So you're essentially asking me how, how I would justify that. So I, I think I, I went a little bit on the justification for the first part. As far as the second part is concerned, um, I'd I'd have we'd have to get into a little bit of um, epistemology or or and just break down like empiricism for a moment and how we do science and how we come to uh, conclusions or, or inferences about, about data and all that. Um, so I guess, yeah, let's start. So I think I mentioned this a little uh, before to you about how we come to know what we know or how we come to beliefs that we have. So for example, let's imagine a world where like you you've never seen what happens when we flip a coin. So if I were if I were to ask you, hey, like what would happen when I when you flip a coin? Like you might say it um, it, it could land on heads or tails, right? However, if you have no experience with flipping coins, you have no experience at all. Then, <clears throat> uh, if you flip a coin, let's say like it turn, let's say if you flip a coin and it turns into a butterfly. It sounds weird. It doesn't surprise you though, because 
you've never like you've never really uh, had experience with coins. It doesn't seem absurd. You're just like, whoa, cool. It turned into a butterfly. And then I have you flip it again and again and again. And every time you flip the coin, it turns into a butterfly, right? So I ask you a question. So uh, what do you think would happen when you flip the coin the 100th time? Well, it will turn into a butterfly. Sure. I mean, like, uh, how do you know this, though? Mm-hmm. Well, because, because of past uh, knowledge, I guess, or experience. Yeah, so so you justified your, your expectation or, like, your prediction. You justify this with your previous experience of, of the coin turning into a butterfly, which makes sense. Uh, this is how we this is how we um, we understand the world, but like there is a difference. Like there are some things that like you can't logically deduce. So for example, uh, this is something that's important to understand about empiricism. First of all, and I know it sounds like a tangent, but I'll, I promise to get back to like justifying uh, the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him being a prophet. So I'll, I'll try and get back to that. But let me uh, let me explain this for a moment. So for um, there are things that you cannot deduce. So I would say, for example, that like you couldn't deduce that the coin was going to turn into a butterfly. Now, um, let me ask you another question. Um, water boils at 100 degrees Celsius, right? Like you and I both agree to this, right? Now, do you know this logically or empirically? Well, I guess sort of logic, both, I guess, because it, you can say logically based on like some a priori knowledge of how temperature works and physical uh, physical laws, but also empirically because uh, you've maybe experienced this, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm arguing that you only know it empirically. You don't know it like deductively or, or logically, let's say. Um, uh, but I meant like deductively. But let me give you the evidence for that real quick. So uh, let's say I throw object X at the window. What do you think will happen? What do you predict will happen when I throw object X at the window? It will uh, fall on the ground outside. Okay. Now, how do you know this? How do you know object X will will fall outside when I throw it out the window? Well, because the force of my hand will push it uh, outside, and that gravity will pull it downwards to the ground. Mm. Um, well, let's say that object X was actually really, really light, and like when you try and throw it out the window. Like it doesn't reach the window, so so how would you really know? You see what I mean? Like it's not something you can logically deduce. Like you can't deduce what's going to happen when I throw object X. Let's say that the window wasn't open. Let's say that window was closed. You know, um, it could have broken the window. It could have bounced off the window. It may not have even reached the window. Um, there's there's like a bunch of possibilities. Or maybe when you throw object X, it explodes in your hand, right? You you have you have no idea exactly like it's not something you can logically deduce. It's something that you only know through experience. So for example, if I say, hey, look, like what's gonna happen when I like you throw a baseball um, at the window? 
you might say, look, like it actually might break the window, like depending on the window. And it's based on your, your experience. Um, so, so like my argument is that like, it's not something that you arrive uh, deductively. It's only through the experience. It's only through experience like that. Uh, like you need to get to know object X. You have to establish a relationship with object X in order to understand um, about like what would happen when object X is in this particular scenario. Now, getting back to your question about how I justify the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him as a messenger, there's really um, a trichotomy of explanations as to um, whether or not, or as to as to like who he was or how he was with regards to the revelation. So either he was a liar, so he made it all up. Either he was insane, just just a crazy person, um, or he was truthful, right? So it really is just a trichotomy. Um, now we can go through and uh, through the process of elimination, uh, we can go through these, and we could look at all the data that we have, um, and. We even look at so so we could look at like the Muslim sources and non-Muslim sources if you'd like. You could look at that, and then based on that data and your experience with what it means to be a liar, or like what it means to be an insane person, uh, you could see if those explanations are reasonable. You see what I mean? Because you've had experiences, I imagine, with people that are liars, right? So, but in the same way that uh, you knew that the coin or like you had a valid justification that the coin was going to turn into a butterfly because you flipped it a hundred times or a thousand times. You had a reasonable justification in the same way uh, you could have a reasonable explanation as to whether or not you believe he's a liar or an insane person based on the information that we have and based on your experience in the past in your own personal experience of what it means to be a liar and like what the uh, common, let's say, um, the common, uh, like, like the common denominator of that, like liars have. So, like liars uh, typically have some sort of uh, motive. It's typically very uh, a motive that's very selfish. Um, you know, so, so so like we look to that, and then we look to the example in um, in his story. And all the data that we have, which we have a lot of, we can decide that. So after, um, I had already had an idea as to like what that data set was um, with regards to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And upon uh, going through with this like methodology, I came to the conclusion based on what I know of liars and, and people that are insane. And I, I actually have a, a good friend of mine is, is a psychologist that, I, um, I asked a lot of questions about like with regards to insanity and like epileptics, which is actually a very common uh, explanation of the revelation. So, um, so I would I would ask her for her her data set, and after doing this, I came to the conclusion that okay, like this is something like the belief because like through the process of elimination, it would be absurd to say he was a liar or like insane or epileptic or whatever. All that's left of an explanation is that um, he's a prophet of God, you know, in order to explain the data best. Now, 
uh, that's through the process of elimination. So yeah, so that's that's kind of um, that's like the methodology that I employed. But I mean, like, we can get into the details, but I think that's kind of irrelevant. I mean, like that would be it'd be like a much longer uh, podcast, you know. With the audio kind of, uh, like your voice is really quiet. Uh, yeah, yeah. So sorry. So um, one last question because it, we've all we're already uh, surpassed one hour conversation. Uh, my question would be, um, what advice would you give to someone, let's say, who might be interested in what uh, Islam has to offer intellectually, and that um, if ever they do a uh, Uh, decide to uh, uh, study it more how would they uh, start their path or take their first step yeah so if someone if you already believe in God so if someone already believes in God and like they're looking for like the right religion just know that uh, their religion it ought to be one that's just like completely and sincerely devoted to God alone without any partners because that's who God is he, he, he's one who um, who doesn't have any partners so in the Quran um, one of the um, in chapter 112 of the Quran I invite uh, people to, to check it out <clears throat> it says uh, say he is Allah um, uh, you Uniquely one. Allahu Samad. Um, uh, completely self-sufficient. Lem yalid wa lem yulid. He begets not, nor was he begotten. Wa lem yakullahu kufwan ahad. And there's none like him. But that's, um, that's um, it is said that that chapter alone, it's, it's only like a few sentences. Uh, but that chapter alone is um, is a third of the entire Quran. So, and it's it's all about God. It's all about um, so for someone who's looking for the right religion, it ought to be one that is completely devoted to God. And and who is God but the one who created all and who's completely self sufficient? You know. So from that, then I, I invite them to, to read the Qur'an. Uh, better that they read it with uh, a teacher or they read it with um, uh, uh, studying, like that. Uh, it's called Tafsir, uh, T-A-F-S-I-R, or you can spell it S-E-E-R, which is the, exeg- um, the exegesis of the Qur'an. So it's like a deep dive into the Arabic language and um, explaining what the like the verses of the Quran mean, I highly recommend that as well. So you can have a better understanding of the Quran. Um, so that's also very important too. But yeah, so that's all I have. Okay, uh, uh, bro, th- thank you so much for your time, and um, I would love to have more conversations with you in the future. Bye. Thank you, Amr. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Almo Ador Jr. And thank you 
for listening in and please subscribe please follow us on facebook please please follow this please thanks Thank you.